And 2020 is not just an year. It's an interesting year. So, if you look at the, the title of my sermon is Unity in Deception. And before I will end this sermon, Brother Gregory will come to sing at the end a song of appeal. But we are going to talk about interesting issues today. We need to know these things and put in our heart. Because this year is an interesting year. We have pandemic, and there is pain not in one country, in the entire global. And there is restless. People are giving up their lives because there is no hope. So before we start, I'll kneel down and then we'll pray. Father in heaven, we invite you that you be in your ministry and that you reveal yourself to us. We need you to hold your hands in this time that you may hear your word and make thorough preparation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When we talk about unity in deception, unity is something good. Everybody likes unity. When you hear people are gather together somewhere, people like to go. But there is a unit that it is in a sense of deception to deceive people, to lie to people while people they feel at peace. So today I want you to turn to the book of Daniel chapter 5. We'll start from there. We'll make a foundation and then we'll pinpoint the main events and then at the end, you will finish with Jesus. So today we're going to talk about Babylon, the Jewish nation, and modern Christian, our time today. So Daniel chapter 5. Daniel chapter 5, starting from verse 2. Belshazzar, let's start from verse 1. Belshazzar the king made a great feast to the thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, whilst he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar has taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princess, his wives and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessel that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was in, at Jerusalem. And the king and his princess, his wives and his concubines, drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold, and of silver, and of brass, and of iron, of wood, and stone. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand, and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw that part of the hand that wrote. So let's look at this. The king has a feast with his thousand of his lords. 
And after he tastes the wine, not only that he is in celebration, but he commands the servant to go and pick the holy vessel that his father Nebuchadnezzar has reserved somewhere because they came from Jerusalem. So this king, Belteshazzar, was full aware of the history of the children of Israel being taken captive to Babylon. So after he had been preparing his feast, not only that he wanted to praise his God, but to defile the God of heaven. So he was not ignorant of the character of the God of heaven. He knew who God was, yet he decided to, to defile his name. To show that he is nothing else. He is even under his God of silver, wood, and stone, and iron. Because why will the king say, go and bring the vessels which was taken from Jerusalem by my father? It is because he wanted to defy the God of heaven. Now, then the king's countenance was changed. And his thought troubled him. I'm in verse 6. So that he the joint of his loins were loosed, and the knees smote one against another. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. And the king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, Whosoever shall read these writings. So when the king got problem, he called for the astrologers, the witches, the wizards. And he said, come and tell me the dream. Now, I want you to jump down to verse 10. Because by there, we see that Belteshazzar, he knew what he was doing. We are making a foundation of what we're going to talk about in the modern Christian. Now, the queen by reason. This is his mother. Of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet house and the queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee. Nor let thy countenance be changed. There is a man in thy kingdom in whom, whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And in the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods was found in him. Whom the kingdom Nebuchadnezzar thy father knew Father, the king, I say thy father, men master of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. Now, understand this. Daniel was made the head, but not because he was an astrologer, because he had the wisdom of the God of heaven. So, which means, though Daniel interpreted the dream of King Nebuchadnezzar, they downplay his wisdom. They did not want to ask about his God. What do they want to know? They want to downplay his wisdom so he can be equal with the others, magicians, astrologers in the kingdom. So let me ask you this question. Did God give Babylonian the opportunity to know about him? Yes, they, he did. Not only that he gave them opportunity, he set somebody in their ministry who can tell them about the character of God. Not only that he did that, but he 
he, he did all he could to redeem King Nebuchadnezzar. So, Belteshazzar, being the son of the king, in the palace, he knew what God did to his father, yet he downplayed it. Go to verse 22. Now, Daniel is telling him, because he, 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 uh, the king came in. And when the king came in, he tell him what was his problem. He say, and thou, after, go back to verse 18. Let's start from verse 18. O thou king, the most high, God gave Nebuchadnezzar thy fathers a kingdom. And majesty and glory and honor. And for the majesty that he gave him all people, nations and languages, trembled and feared before him. Whom he will, he slew. And whom he will, he kept alive. And whom he will be set up. And whom he will be put down. But when his heart was lifted up. And his mind hardened in pride. He was deposed from his kingly throne. And they took his glory from him. And he was driven from the sons of men. And his heart, and his heart was made like the beasts. And his dwelling was with the, with the wild asses. They fed him with grass like ox. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven. Till he knew that the most high God ruled in the kingdom of men. And that he appointed over it whomsoever he will. Now Daniel is telling him his problem. And thou his son, this is Daniel, is telling the king the truth. And thou his son, O Belteshazzar, has not humbled thy heart. Thou, thou knowest all this. Verse 23. But has lifted up thy, thyself against the Lord of heaven. And they have brought the vessels of the house before thee. And thou hast and thou and thy lords, thy wives and thy concubines, have drunk wine in them. And thou hast praised the gods of silver and gold and brass, iron, wood and stone, which you see no, not, no here, no, no. And the God in whose hand thy breath is, and whose are in thy ways, hast thou not glorified. So Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Daniel is telling the king, you knew what took place. You know all. You, 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 you grew up knowing that there is a living God who rules upon the affairs of men. And yet, you despised him. And then he gave him about the investigative judgment. This chapter here is not only talking about the king of this planet. The kings. How the world will become so vile to defile the God of heaven, but it, it talks about the investigative judgment. Because if you go down here and say, when you go to verse 25, it says, and this is the writing that was written, men, men, take and up, harass. This is the interpretation of the things, mean God has numbered the kingdom and he finished it. Which means, while Nebuchadnezzar knew this, the judgment his judgment was taking place. 
Now, there are a few questions which we have to answer ourselves. Did God put the three Hebrews men in the midst of Babylonian officials? Now, I'm not talking about the entire Babylon. Officials, so they can know him. Yes, he did. They had Daniel. They had the three friends. And yet, they despised it. Because when the king saw this, he did not inquire of the God of heaven. He called for the astrologers, the magicians. Okay? So, he underestimated the God of heaven. And you know that after that, that night, King Belteshazzar was slain. Now, this is just a foundation. Turn with me to the book of Matthew 26. The second foundation and then we will come to the entire subject. Matthew 26, 59 to 63. Matthew 26, 59 to 63. Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death. Now question. Did the Jewish leader knew about the character of Jesus Christ? That he was a righteous man. That he was a holy man. That was no fault on him. Yet, they, want, they, they went and found him false witness. So did God, not only that he gave the, the children of Israel prophecy, scriptures and writing, but he even sent his own son to walk with them, to talk with them, and to eat with them. Yet, they did not want to hear his words. But found none. Verse 60. Yet, though many false witnesses came, yet they f- uh, found they none. At last came to witness. And said, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answer thou nothing? What is which this witness against thee? Verse 63. But Jesus held his, his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God, that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Now, so Jesus is in the midst of his people. Yet they knew that he was the Son of God. Yet they downplayed it. They underestimated it. Because he did not come according to the expectations. Were the Jews aware of the prophecy? Yes. But they were aware of the false prophets according to their thinking. Belteshazzar was aware of the God of heaven, but he did not want to follow him. He wanted to follow God according to his thinking. Are there many Christians outside there who want to follow Jesus Christ but they want to follow according to their thinking and their ways? 
Not that whoever want to come to me, pick up your cross and follow me. No, we don't want. We don't want that. We don't want to pick the cross because it's painful. It needs self-denial. It, it, it needs a divine help. We don't want that. It needs humility. You will be despised by the world. We don't want that. So now, I'm going to read this passage to you. This is from Desire Wages. This is from Desire Wages chapter 30. Listen to these words. The Romans claim the right of appointing and removing the high priest. And the office was often secured by fraud, bribery, and even murder. So, when Jesus was born, when he was on this planet, the Israel and, and the Roman, they were together, working together. Thus, the priesthood became more and more corrupt. Yet the priests still possessed great power and they employed it for selfish and mercenary needs. The people were subject to their merciless demands and were also heavily taxed by the Romans. This state of affairs caused widespread discontent. Popular outbreaks were frequent. Greed and violence, distress and spiritual apathy were eating out the very heart of the nations. So by when Jesus was born, the Romans, not only that were the government that was on top of the people, what, but it was inside to control the religious affairs. Belteshazzar was the king, but he was in control of the religious affairs. Here, the Romans were there, but they were in control of the religious affairs. They had the power to appoint and remove the high priest. Now, let me read you another quote from Manuscript, manuscript released. This is 102, 1897. We are making a foundation. Then we'll come to our time. The religious of those that crucified Christ was pretense. The supposed holy vestments of the priests cover heart that were full of corruption, malignity. And crime. They interpreted gain to be godless. Let me repeat that. They interpreted gain to be godliness. The priests were appointed by, uh, were appointed not by God, but by an unbelieving government. Do you see today people are working with the government of the world? The position of the priest was bought and sold like goods of merchandise. Thus, it, as that Caiaphas obtained the office, he was not the priest after the order of Melchizedek. But God's appointment, he was bought and sold to work wickedness. He knew 
He never knew what it was to be obedient to God. He had the form of godliness, and this gave him the power to oppress. So the priest was the one leading to oppress people. Whenever religious mingle with the world government, what happens is God will be set aside and people selfish will be the rule in the system. It may look so good outside, but inside is a terrible calamity. Now, I'll read you another quote. Because Belteshazzar saw a hand writing in what? In the plaster. And what he did, he called for his soldiers. I'm going to do this. This is manuscript release. Manuscript 101. 1897. With the Caiaphas, the Jewish high priest ended. This proud of a bearing wicked man proved his unworthiness ever to have won the garment of the high priest. He had never capacity, nor authority from heaven for doing the work. He had not one ray of light from heaven to show him what the work of priest was, or for what the office has been suited such a ministration could make nothing perfect. For in itself, it was utter corrupt. The priests were tyrannous and deceptive and full of ambitious schemes. The grace of God had nothing to do with this. So, when they cried to crucify Jesus, it is because already in their heart they not know God. I'm going to read this paragraph here and then it will come to our time. We just made a foundation. Belteshazzar knew God of heaven, yet he wanted to do nothing with him. The Jewish leader, not only that, he were the depositor of the truth, but they had everything. They did not want to hear anything about Jesus. They wanted just to do things according to their expectations. Listen to this. Jesus is on the cross. He cried, it is finished. It was not the hand. This is manuscript. 101. 1897. If you found this manuscript, it has a lot of detail about the condition of the Jewish people when Jesus was on this planet. It was not the hand of priests that rent from the top to the bottom the gorgeous veil that divided the whole from the most holy place. It was the hand of God when Christ cried out, it is finished. The holy watcher that was unseen guest at Belteshazzar's feast pronounced the Jewish nation to be nation unchurched. So the same hand that, he re- that he wrote at the plaster of Belteshazzar is the same hand unseen. That hand tear down the veil. Now there is another hand, the third hand, that will appear holding the table of stone on the sky in the last time, in the future. There is a hand that will hold two tables of stone on the sky 
so that the entire plant can read it and see the character of God. He said it was the hand of God when Christ, okay. The same hand that traced on the walls, the character that recorded Belteshazzar's doom, and the end of the Babylonian kingdom, rent the veil of the temple from the top to the bottom, opening the way of living way for all, high and low, rich and poor, Jews and Gentiles, from henceforth people might come to God without a priest. So, the same hand in Belteshazzar that wrote those words is the same hand that tore down the veil of the temple. Let me tell you something. When Jesus was going to the cross, there are three major things which we have to understand. His people rejected him because they had unity with the world. They were working together with the world government. Yet, in that turmoil, there are three major events which you have to understand. Peter was converted. When Jesus lifted up his eyes and he looked to, to Peter, Peter's heart was touched. Simon, the man from Ethiopia, when he saw Jesus, he was happy to bear his cross. The centurion confessed that Jesus is the son of God because the scripture, the disciples say that Jesus was so silent and he had peace with all those bitter. They saw that this character is not a human character. This is a heavenly character. You know, despite of what we are going through, it's hard. Pain is all, all over the place. We need to pray for the divine peace. All of us will have pain. I have pain. Everybody has pain. We need to pray for the divine peace. Now, we come to our time. Then we're going to get to the entire issue, the conclusion. We come to the time of Constantine. Constantine had a kingdom and his kingdom has all kinds of problems. Which he could not figure out how to set it out. So finally he, he decided, you know, how will I unite my kingdom? Whenever there is a unity, is apostasy toward God. It's not wholeness to God, it's apostasy. So today, we know a lot about what Constantine, what Constantine did. That he, he put uh, Sunday uh, legislation. So today I want to discuss few more things which he did the same year. The same year that we say he was a Christian, let's see the same year what he did. And I'm reading this to you from History of Rome, volume 7, page 489. Okay? So, when Constantine issued his Sunday, there are some other law which he did. There are law which he did, which I want you to examine with me. Was he a Christian? Or was he a counterfeit? Listen to this. He made several decrees maintaining pagan practices through consulting, through consulting with heathen priests for guidance. Now listen to that. So after he issued a national Sunday, he say he issuing 
another decree to consult heathen priests to give him guidance. And who heathen priests are talking to? They communicate with the dead to know what the future will be. They talk to the dead. They invoke the spirit of the dead. So Constantine, though he will say, I'm a Christian, he believed in immortality of the soul. Another thing. This is another thing which he, he, he did. The very next day after giving his famous Sunday, Constantine made another law for pagan soothsayers who will when lightning should strike a public building, the heathen prophet were to be consulted as to its meaning. So now I'm a Christian, but we need to bring the, thus, uh, the, the what? The witches, because these are witches and wizards. Let them come and tell us how we can run the affairs of the state. And that's why always, if you look at the life of Jesus, he had nothing to do with the government of the world. Things were so bad when he was here, but he did nothing. All what he told people, the problem is sin. The problem is sin. Give your life to, to me. Come unto me. Because the world will be the way it is. But if you have me, you have eternal life. Now, so, now listen to this. Constantine's Sunday law was made to favor both Christian and the Mithraites. In that law, Christianity is not mentioned. The day is called the Venerable Day of the Sun. That was the mystical name for the worship day of Mithra. The sun god, both the heathen and the Christian knew this. Now listen, the object of him to become a Christian. The object of Constantine and High Christian church officials were to bring peace through mutual compromise. Mark that word, mutual compromise. Because I'm going to read something that he did. Another thing which he did today, which Christianity is doing in another name. Mutual compromise. It was on the doctrine of Sunday that the religious of the empire could best unite. Sunday secretly was common both to the sun worshippers and to compromising Christian, making that day the second day of the Christendom could, br uh, could bring the heathen into the Christian. So it happened. So he said, we want to make peace. Let's be Christian. You know today, let me tell you this. The world is going to this way. You know, we don't need to be separate. With this problem, we got this issue. There is a calamity. There is flood. There is there is pandemic. Let's come together. Maybe if we find one day to worship together, God will give us rest. Now, now listen to other thing which he did. Another thing which he did. <laughs> listen to this. In another of his Sunday laws, he gave the order that soldiers be marched out into the field every Sunday morning. This is history. Of Roman volume 7. Morning for sunrise service. There to recite a prayer as with closed eyes. They face toward the rising sun. Pagan rituals 
had required that they face the sun in sunrise service as they gave their prayer to the sun god. So this feature was required in the sun edict. So Constantine was not a really Christian. He was a pagan, very himself in Christianity. Now, we come to our time. I'm reading this to from this is from History of Christian Church, third edition, and page 157. Listen to this. After Constantine had done all this, after telling people, now I'm a Christian, and people say, he is a Christian, then he brought all these issues inside there. Another thing which he did, listen to this. At that time, Constantine was still the Pontiff Maxim. Which in Latin mean pagan, supreme pagan priest. But immediately after issuing the decree, he called for a great Christian council, which could settle doctrinal controversies. And strengthen Christianity through the empire. In every case which historian can locate, the few men back then who were advocating Sunday keeping by Christians, we are the very ones who were demanding that the Christian churches, listen to this, distance from Alexandria and Rome, begin observing their various pagan religious customers. Today, you don't hear about the Christian controversies. You hear about it. interfaith dialogue. Have you heard about that? Oh, the leaders met. You know the leaders met. And they were talking about interfaith dialogue. What were they talking about? Well, they were talking about interfaith dialogue. What were they dialogue? What were they talking? Now, let me tell you this. If we want to come to unite with the world and do things with the world, let me tell you the problem. And you can tell me some other issues which you think it will be there. But let me tell you this. The main problem Today is Jesus. Because they say, I'm the way, the truth, and what? The life. Nobody come to the Father except by who? Then you cannot have interfaith dialogue without putting Jesus on the dust. So, we have to do to tell Jesus is not really God. He was a created being. He is equal with these other founders of these other, other religions. Because you will never sit with the Islam and tell him that Jesus is God. No, they say Jesus is not God. He did not even die for you. He's not even the son of God. So, we have to do away with Jesus. Then when we do, when we do away with Jesus, what do, then will we do? Creation. You cannot tell that God created, he spoke things to existence. Because if he is a creator... Which means we are accountable to him and only him. So, we don't have creation. We don't have creation. Then, what will we have? We have things of what? Changing. You die, tomorrow will become something else. We, 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 we have what? You have cycle. And that's why in all the universities, they have to teach evolution theory. 
you will evolve from one point to another. Today you're a human being. When you die tomorrow, you'll become a leaf to be eaten maybe by a cow. Okay? So, creation has to go. When creation goes, there is no fall of man. Because if there is a fall of man, well, if God created and man fell, God has to find a solution. Then, if there is no fall of man, there is no great controversy. Then what happened? There is no atonement. And let me tell you this. You cannot be tell people that he just died for you. You will never tell an Islam that he just died for, for, for you. He said he not die for you. They, it seems like they put him there. But after that, they took him away. Jesus did not die for you. Because if Jesus died and resurrected, he is special. He has to be unique. He is better and he is special than all these others found of this other religion. So if you want to come to the ecumenism, you want to mingle with these other churches and these groups, Jesus has to go. Then if Jesus is, is going away, what next? There is no sin. We are not sinners. Well, things just because we're in the evolution theory, things are moving from one direction to the other, there is no, we are not sinners. Death is just another step of life. You accept that? Well, not only that, there is no investigative judgment. Because if God is the ultimate author of my life, then I'm accountable to him. Then, which means he has a standard that I have to live for. And that standard is the Ten Commandments. We don't want to do with that. Are you there? We don't want to do with that. There is no Ten Commandments. All we can do is love your neighbor and always be happy family. So if there is no investigative judgment, and when you look back to what we read in Belteshazzar, there was a judgment. Men, men who take Paris, you have been weighed and found wanting. So we, we, we don't want people to preach about it Judgment that you are accountable to, to, to God. That you know one day we will stand before God and our lives have to be reviewed. We don't want that. Because if you put that, then Jesus is the only way, the true and the life. And you can only be saved by him because he died for you. And not only that, but if you accept him by faith, he covers you with his blood, then he is special. So if he is special, all this other faith and this other religious group has to go away. We have to remain with one. So you should not preach that there is a, a group of people that has special message. This has to go. Then what next? Sanctuary. There is no sanctuary. There is no plan of salvation. If you want to come to the unity of all religion, if you want to come to the unity whereby everybody is accepted, there is no sanctuary. Because the sanctuary is the plan of salvation from Eden to the second coming. And who want to hear that? Don't preach that. Because if you preach about the sanctuary, finally you come to the beast. You come to his mark. You come to his name. You come to the system that is deceiving people. We don't want to hear that. And finally, don't talk about the second coming. Let's prepare home here. Let's work things here. Let's make society here. Because there is no new earth and new heaven. Finally, there is no physical resurrection. What you have to believe 
is the immortality of the soul. You want to believe that? Okay? You have to believe that. Because what it is is this. If you want to come to the unit of all people, whereby everybody is happy. Because if everybody is happy, we put aside whoever wants to come to me. He must do what first? Deny himself. And take his cross and fall after me. If you want to come to the unity, whereby everybody is accepted, whereby nobody has a special message, Jesus has to go. Let me tell you this. When Constantine called for this Christian cancer, what he did, he was trying to diminish Christianity. Do away with these people who say only Jesus, his blood, his sacrifice, his law, he's the king of kings, he's coming again to finish the planet. We don't want to hear that. And let me tell you this. Christianity today is in the step of Belteshazzar, is in the step of the Jewish nation. Because you cannot preach about the investigative judgment. There was a hand that he wrote in the plaster. There is a hand which will hold the Ten Commandments in the sky just, just prior to the second coming of Jesus. Now, let me finish this subject. I want you to open with me. You know this verse. Revelation 16, 13 and 14. As we are closing. Revelation 16, 13. And I saw, Revelation 16, 13 and 14. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophets. For they are the spirit of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the birth of the, that great day of Almighty God. When you look here, you see the three things. It comes from the dragon. It goes to the beast. The Roman system. We are not talking about people. We are talking about the system. The false prophecy is the Protestant churches that are fallen. And the nation that is the greatest Protestant that is the United States. Now, these three will unite to persecute all those who will not go with the compromise. Now, let me tell you something. There are three things that will deceive this planet. First of all, the immortality of the soul. People to believe that the dead are not really dead. And the second is Sunday sacredness. These things will wipe out Christianity. Christianity will be wiped out to believe a lie. Now, let's read. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10, 16 to 21. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 to 21. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, 
Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being member, men are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. Behold Israel after the flesh are not they which eat of the sacrifice partakers of the altar? This is the question. 19. What say I then that the idol is anything? All that which is offered in sacrifice to idol is anything. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not not to God. And I will not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Brothers and sisters, either we take Jesus Christ and stand on him and separate ourselves from the world. The three angel messages is say, come out of her, my people. Do not be mixed up in the, in the, in the, in the, in the conversion of all religious. Jesus is special. He calls people to himself to be sanctified, prepare for heaven. He's not calling people to inclusive. He is calling people out to come from the world. Second Corinthians 6, 14. And 18. Second. 6.14 to 18. Six fourteen to 18. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has the righteous with the unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what concord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has the believers with an infidel? And what agreement has the temple of God with the idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will do, dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, say the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will save you. And he will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, say the Lord Almighty. Brothers and sisters, we don't have time to mingle with the world. You know, preaching to people, telling them about Jesus is one thing. But he's sitting with the people, planning with them on how to evangelize. How can you evangelize somebody who deny the love of God? Who deny the blood of Jesus Christ? How, how can you evangelize? God is calling people to come out. Daniel was not in the feast, in the banquet. He was called he came to interpret. And even when they say, we'll give you, he say, stay with your gift. I don't want them. But I will tell you, your judgment that God has numbered and finished your kingdom. We are not supposed to be in the world ecumenism, in the world council, whereby we plan on how to evangelize. Outside there, they are putting Jesus on the dust. They are putting his law, they are putting his character, and they put him down on the dust. Because they don't want him. 
today, I want to close this summer by telling you something. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Jesus is not divided. If you don't accept Jesus Christ, he say, whoever hateth me, love death. And I will invite Brother Gregory to come here. And you will sing. And then you will do our last hymn. I will invite you here to come and sing. Afternoon, happy Sabbath. I want to thank the Lord for His message, uh, uh, deception, uh, unity, and deception. Uh, I don't know about you, I believe that God is soon to come, and He has a message for us to share to the world. The world is looking for, especially during this time when we have the coronavirus, <clears throat> people are hopeless. And the title of my song is "Everything Is Running Out." Mm. Everything is running out. We don't know what to do. The oil, the land, the food, the air. We don't know what to do. When will people learn what life is all about? When will we see that everything is running out, including time? Soon there'll be no more time left for me. Time left for you, make things right with the Lord. Soon there'll be no more time left for me. Time left for you, everything is running out. We don't know what to do. Lord, there's trouble everywhere. We don't know what to do. When will people learn to love the fellow man? Love is the answer. It is the master's plan. But soon the time, soon there'll be no more time left for me. Time left for you, make things right with the Lord. Soon there'll be no more time left for me. Time left for you, will make things right with the Lord. Soon there'll be no more time left for me. Time left for you, make things right with the Lord. Soon there'll be no more time left for me. Time left for you, make things right. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you so much. Thank you, brother. So, we'll stand up with our closing hymn. Which number? 600, number 600. 600.
Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we want you to hold your hands. As the darkness is about to overshadow this planet, that we may walk with you until you come again. We pray in Jesus' name.